if it's possible, he's more beloved now than he was before he left. They love him, I think, more than ever. He had stepped off that pedestal he could have been on with Stan. He's right back on that same pedestal now. Really? Right there? Oh, yeah. Right beside? So it's the other day in Milwaukee, they were talking about it, and I said, you know, the, the math with the Cardinals is simple. Six equals one, five equals two. Is that where we're at? Or is it five equals one A? I think one A. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould, joined this week by a rotating cast of riders to try to capture what St. Louis is celebrating and witnessing in the final home weekend of the regular season. That is, of course, the retirement of Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols that is all celebrated or being celebrated and feted and tributes galore coming their way, including in the October 2nd edition of the Post-Dispatch, the Sunday Post-Dispatch, there'll be a special commemorative edition of the paper special section in that paper that captures as much as we can about the two careers Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols have had with the Cardinals and with Major League Baseball. It includes profiles on both players, top 10 highlights, and also columns. In this podcast, we're going to revisit some of those stories. I'm going to get a chance to talk with Hall of Fame baseball writer Rick Hummel and, of course, two people who provided columns for that special section, St. Louis Post-Dispatch sports columnist Benjamin Hockman and Ben Fredrickson. They'll appear later in the podcast. But first, my conversation in the stands at Bush Stadium in front of the press box, name for him, Hall of Famer Rick Hummel. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball. Back once again, finally. We've been working on some projects here with the retirements and last run, I guess we're calling it, of Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina. Special section coming up in the October 2nd edition of the Sunday St. Louis Post-Dispatch with all kinds of highlights and stories and columns about Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols, two of the all-time greats in Cardinal history. And here I am outside a press box named for him talking to one of the all-time greats of baseball writing. Rick, I, I would be remiss if I didn't begin by... What do you recall, or what are you thinking as you kind of head into this last regular season weekend with these two standards? First of all, thank you. And second, I didn't expect Pujols to be as much of an impact on the field as he has been. You knew he'd be an impact off the field in the clubhouse with young players. He's been doing that since he taught in large part Yadier Molina how to hit more than 20 years ago or almost 20 years ago anyway and um, but once he got back from that all-star game home run derby and was around the current stars he must have told himself hey I can be I can do this for a couple more months I was that good 
I can be that good again. <laughs> he is. He was. As for Molina, <clears throat> it, it's been hard for him and hard for everybody who wanted to, to see him do so well, to see him labor on his bad knee. Uh, but lately, he's swung a better bat. They've marshaled his playing time quite a bit, I presume, so that he can go full bore in the in the postseason, although Kisner's been very good lately. But but uh, Molina's one of the top postseason hitters of all time. He's got 102 hits in postseason play, more than any National League player. He, uh, you're right, he's been bothered by that knee, and he's tried to push through it. His presence behind the plate, not just at the plate, is such a part, a big part of what the Cardinals have become over the last era. Do you recall how you saw that kind of evolve and take shape in the early years of him with with him at catcher? Well, it started first with Mike Matheny, the incumbent catcher in 2004, saying, well, this guy might take my job. This is early in the season. And about July, he's saying, this guy will be taking my job. <laughs> and he did. And Molina earned his stripes early, I think, by handling veteran pitchers like Carpenter and Supon and Marquis, Matt Morris, Isringhausen. You know, once he showed them, and it didn't take long, they may have already known it from spring training, once he showed them that how much of a control he could have on the game, they just kind of entrusted most things to him as have Every other, almost all other pitchers who have even come through the system or, or been big-time player, even John Lackey mm-hmm. trusted him to a large degree. He really didn't trust anybody, but he trusted him a little more. Eventually, eventually. Eventually. Yeah. John Lackey one time stopped paying attention to Yadier Molina's signs, shook him off, shook him off, shook him off. Eventually, Yadier Molina went out to the mound and said, just throw what you want. Just throw whatever you want. I'll catch it. So he's throwing curves without letting them know. He's throwing sinkers without letting them know. He's throwing full speed without letting them know. And Yadier Molina then catches everything and frames it and then goes up to him later, and as he did with another pitcher, Mitchell Boggs, and said, have I made my point? Pay attention to me. Even the new guys like Quintana and Montgomery. Montgomery admitted it must have been his first or second start that he'd He'd shaken Molina off, and, and something bad had happened. They yeah. said, I don't know if it's a home run or not, but he says, I don't think I'm going to be doing, doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> so you are the one person remaining on the beat, I believe, who was there for the debut of both of them, um, 2001, and then when Molina came up in 2004. You, even, you were covering the game in Pittsburgh when Yadier Molina made his debut, I believe, and certainly were covering opening day 2001 at Coors Field when Albert made his debut. Go way back before then, and can you tell me when the name Albert Pujols first came on your radar? I guess at the end of the uh, 2000 season, when it was his first pro season, mm-hmm. and he'd been in Potomac, which was Class A, then he got to Peoria, which was a little higher Class A, and then at the end of the year. They needed somebody at Memphis for the. They were in the playoffs for the Pacific Coast League title, and uh, they promoted Albert there. I think he won a, a key game with an extra inning home run. So, fast forward to the next spring, and Galen Pitts was the manager 
at Memphis then, and he was he and I were were watching an early workout. They, they, he was in more early for the big club in uh, in Jupiter, and Albert was hitting. He said, um, "I said, boy, I guess you're going to be looking forward to having him for a season." He said, "I'm not going to have him." <laughs> <laughs> he was right. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he, Albert tore up spring training. So that, that, I guess that would be the first time was was February of 2001 when I really had seen him for the first time and, and talked to anyone who had ever managed him and con- convincing me at that point, or I should have been convinced that he was not going to ever be a minor leaguer again. That feels like so long ago because there wasn't like Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. You weren't doing TikTok dances back then, were you? Or, or the, any of the other ones either. <laughs> <laughs> you hadn't tweeted about Matt Cain yet. No. Um, so there wasn't, and there also wasn't this like hyper coverage of prospects. The, you know, Baseball America existed and was the industry standard, but there wasn't like this proliferation of prospect rankings and everybody running their own prospect blogs or even fans and um, community sourced scouting reports, for example. So it was a little bit more, or it was a lot more possible for a player to be a surprise, right? Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I'm pretty convinced that Tony had actually told Albert several days before that the, they broke camp that he was going to send him to the minor leagues, but, but they never did do that. I mean, well, he was already in the minor leagues. It wouldn't have to he'd just be be told to go down the hall, but that never right. did happen. Yeah, because he was never optioned. He was never on the roster. No, no. Yeah. And, but I, I'm certain that he that he made it known to him that he probably was not going to be on the ball club and, and he was going to go on to the minor leagues. And that would, uh, I didn't think much of it at the time. And then later on, two or three days later, it became apparent, and maybe other people had gotten Tony's ear and said, you know, what, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> the, the bruised rib that Mark McGuire gave him. Yeah, you're not sure what. And uh, and Bobby Bonilla had some sort of hamstring injury, which may or may not have influenced the decision, but they did put him on the injured list at the start of the year, and there is Albert on the on the first club. And um, But, yeah, you're right. The, the, the phenoms, you didn't get that, that social media burst about a phenom in spring training because, as you say, there wasn't any. Do you, was he the buzz of the clubhouse, though? Was he kind of the talk of camp? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're basically talking to a guy who had one week of AAA and five months of A-ball being the best player they had. And, I, 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 you know, you talked to Walt Jockety about this. I remember him talking about it at the time. They just kept moving around Figuring it's yeah. surely someplace he will fail. He, he will he will not be able to do this, and we can easily send him to the minor leagues. And, and but he didn't ever fail. He didn't ever fail at third base or first base, or left field or right field or shortstop. They put him at shortstop. Or shortstop, which he played in, in high school and junior college, and he was he set a record that that first year by playing having 30 or more starts at four different positions. Well, 162 game schedule. That's pretty hard to do. Yeah. And, and he was good defensively at, at enough of them. I mean, he was fine in left field and good at the corner infield spots at the beginning there. He was good enough. He didn't have to take him out for defense. You know, maybe left field was not his strong point yeah. or right field, but but in left field, they, Edgar Renteria had run out to the halfway out to the wall and take the relay, and Edgar had a strong arm. He'd make up the, the, the ground. He'd pick up the loose change, you know, that was out there and, and still throw some people out at home plate. But, yeah, that Albert, everywhere they put him, and they batted him against all the tough pitchers, took him on all the trips, and he never once showed anybody that he wasn't quite ready. He was always quite ready. 
you had covered many rookie phenoms before, right before then, Rick Ankiel, before that, uh, J.D. Drew, go back a ways, and I believe you had, what, Greg Jeffries a little bit? Well, he would have been with the Mets as a rookie phenom, I guess. And then would Vince Coleman qualify as a rookie phenom? Well, he wasn't a phenom in spring training, but David Green was a rookie phenom. David Green, so yeah, yeah. They were on the same club and. and and what actually not? David Green came up in '82 and Coleman came up in '85. But those would be the the better comparisons. There, um, Pendleton was. I guess maybe Vance Slyke would be a rookie. Yeah, Vance Slyke. That's a great. That would one. be that would be in the early '80s. He, his first year here was '83, I believe '84. And um, yeah, he'd be the one I would compare it to. And Drew was was we here for one spring, but he had played independent ball right before he, he signed with the Cardinals, so he'd been around a little bit. And Ankiel was different. He was a pitcher, but he was he was a phenom, that's for sure. And how did Albert go from that to then what you saw that first season become and onward through the next 10? What what When did you kind of see him separate from phenom to what he became, which was, what, a, a comet streaking towards Cooperstown? Well, it was the same year. In the early going, they had Drew and Poole sitting down in the order, and McGuire and Edmonds were hitting three and four. Well, then McGuire was played by injury, and Edmonds was just kind of so-so. So they <clears throat> gradually moved these guys up, and, and Drew was hitting third, and Poole was hitting fourth, and the other two guys were hitting fifth and sixth. That's when I knew. And then as that comes along, he, he wins Rookie of the Year, and he puts together the long stretch. Yadier Molina joins. I'm really interested in getting your thoughts, Rick, on on the fingerprint Molina has left. You know, his his contributions to the Cardinals are not the big numbers. They're not the MVPs. They're not the batting titles or the 30 home runs, 100 runs, 100 RBI season. It's it's more nuanced, but just as obvious. How have you seen him kind of shape the last few decades here? Well, first, it all goes back to Dave Ricketts, whom I'm glad you mentioned in your excellent piece uh, the other day in the paper, where Ricketts, I wouldn't say molded him, because Yachty's older brothers had already done that. Jose and Benji had already uh, you know, molded him. And in fact, at the 2002 World Series, which I, which I covered, I talked to Jose and Benji in the Angels Clubhouse, and we're talking about who was a better catcher, this and that. And they said, well, hold on now. The best is yet to come here, okay? And I said, oh, really? really <laughs> and then and, and there he was in the next spring training and, and the next 19 spring trainings. So I think once once uh, Molina stared down Manny Ramirez in the in the World Series in the fourth game, and, <laughs> and Manny thought that, or Yachty thought that, he was, they were stealing signs from first base for David Ortiz. Not that Ortiz needed too much help there against the Cardinals. And he got in his face, and, and you know, Matheny had said, you know, why don't you say something to him about it? He said, I didn't mean you had to get in his face about it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that year, that was his rookie year, but he became, he was a regular, he was a, a veteran player when 05 came, and he was a star, even though he had a poor year offensively in 06 in, in Game 7 of the championship series when he not only called the right pitches but hit the home run in the top of the ninth and win the game. Which was the most impressive part of that? Him, him hitting the home run, him rethinking the pitch sequence to Beltran and calling a changeup, which arguably was what Wainwright's third, fourth best pitch, or getting Supon out of that bases loaded jam that Scott Rowland helped get him into. I still think the home run. You, you raised two other good uh, questions, though. 
because Yachty had a terrible year hitting that year. And uh, that home run, I don't think anybody saw that coming. It wasn't, I don't believe the runner was in scoring position at the time. I think he was on first, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't see that run actually scoring in that inning. And trying to figure what's going to happen in the bottom of the ninth in a tie game. Well, suddenly it wasn't tied anymore. Yeah. So that was the big thing. Although nuance is a great word you use there because those kinds of things that he's done, and hopefully the enough Hall of Famers, Hall of Fame voters will notice, is what makes him a Hall of Famer. He he changes the game. When when you had a staff the other day where they've had. 27 more teams have stolen more bases than attempts yeah. against the Cardinals in the Molina era. I mean, there's like, there's one or two guys in the league that say I can get him, and a couple of guys like Billy Hamilton had out Yachty's number for a while. It really bothered Yachty until you threw him on a couple of times, but otherwise they they they're down there, and the pitchers don't worry about it at first base. They're not going to go. Yeah. So just concentrate on the hitter, and that that makes a lot of difference when the pitcher only has to have one thing on his mind rather than two. That's what Chris Carpenter told me. He could, Chris Carpenter told me that like, he could just focus on executing the pitch that was called because Yachty took care of everything else, positioning, worried about where guys were going, and the runner on base. I talked to Anthony Rizzo. This is a little, I guess, director's cut from that story. And Anthony Rizzo told me that he had spent his entire career and would remind Yachty of it when he would walk up to the plate that today's the day I'm going to steal off you. I'm going to get one off you today. And then Rizzo came back. And he was telling me this when he was with the Yankees, and he was hurt, obviously. So play much um but he i asked him i was like do you think now's the chance like do you think like now at this point in time in your both careers this is this is where you can get him or do you know the pitcher he goes it wouldn't count because i didn't do it as a cub <laughs> i thought that was pretty good you know one of the great plays that he made was not really the ball was barely playing all didn't play at all there was a bases loaded walk and Eugenio Suarez yeah. was moved up to third base and decided he'd take a little round turn of third base and, and you know celebrating his arrival to third and Yachty snapped the throw down there and he picked him off <laughs> Yachty told me that he had watched Suarez do that in a previous game and I, I can't remember I should have asked can't remember if it was a previous game on TV or a previous game that they had against the Reds either possible or maybe both because Molina will watch so many games on TV past games current games ongoing games. He he would play the Cardinals game in St. Louis, likely have some kind of influence on whether they won it or not, likely won it. Then he would go home and he would watch the West Coast games and celebrate when Albert Pujols hit a home run, which brings us to the fact that he stayed while Albert left. What do you think Albert's legacy is with the Cardinals, and how has this year either changed it or affirmed it and really bronzed it? Oh, it affirmed it. it uh, I think when he left, after it was no more than a couple of years, people weren't mad anymore. They were just, you know, they celebrated the 11 years that he had here. They hoped, secretly hoped that someday he'd finish his career as a Cardinal, but they knew that was seven, eight years down the road, so just kind of put that aside. <clears throat> and then, you know, this spring when it became apparent that that there's a chance he would come back and then people got all revved up as you know and then here he is and, and I think if it's possible he's more beloved now than he was before he left but I mean he's only people were only mad at him for about 2012 and that was about it because the Cardinals played pretty well after that without him Beltran did well a couple other guys came in and did well Berkman it's, I was out here for another year or two and um, but they they love him I think more than ever and 
whereas he, he was not he, he had stepped off that pedestal he could have been on with Stan he's right back on that same pedestal now really right there oh, yeah. right beside so it's the other day in Milwaukee they were talking about it and I said you know the the math with the Cardinals is simple six equals one five equals two is that where we're at or is it five equals one a I think one a um, he's not going to have some of the counting numbers as far as base hits as a cardinal anything is a cardinal but but he's he's ranks like what is he third or fourth in base hits and home runs as a cardinal yeah. as only a cardinal and let alone you know stand is 475 would be first home runs and there's a couple other guys that are up there but um i i, I think there, now there are different group, groups of fans there now a lot of people that that are big pools fans now never saw Stan play and they're going to have to take everybody's word for it. i think I think that's why you, you you move them side by side because they're from completely different eras. They never played at the same time. They were fast friends, but I think and now so much time has elapsed and so few people actually saw both of them at the height of their careers that that uh, you can say that. All right. So last two questions for you because I know you got to run. You got to write on deadline. You got to do some reporting, and you have to get ready for your last regular season weekend of, of game coverage as the post-dispatch scooped us both on today. Um, <laughs> right? Am I supposed to say that? Uh, we'll ha- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pester you to come back for a, a podcast to talk about that. I want to ask you about just the last two things on these two guys. Could you make a case, and I've been kicking this around quite a bit, that there's Hank Aaron and there's Albert Pujols, and those are the two best right-handed hitters of all time. I've been thinking about that a lot, and I would agree with you. And I wonder what to do with Willie Mays. You know, I, I, darn it, he's close yeah. to that group. Uh, yeah, I, 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 maybe I, we should expand to three. But, but, but there's a couple categories where Aaron and, and Pujols are one and two in those particular categories as right-handed hitters, or just as hitters at all. You know, yeah. and, and uh, so I would say, well, I would put. Pujols slightly ahead of Willie Mays, but it's a tough call. Willie, Ma- Willie Mays is is 2.1 as opposed to 2.0, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'll go three. I'm glad to hear. I mean, I just have such a such a hard time wrapping around my head around the fact that it's just so hard to hit. We see hitters just they shine and then they're de- and then they're le- gone. They lose it. The shift swallows them up. The cr- cutter swallows them up. The 104 mile an hour four seam fastball swallows them up. And all through this time, when hitters have just been absolutely eviscerated by technology, metrics, money ball, and velocity and movement, Albert Pools kept hitting. Has the, I'm not sure that there's ever been a as great a hitter at a time when it's been this hard to hit. And that's hard for me to overlook. You're exactly right. The, the ball just sounds different off his bat. And going back to Mays for a second, we'll never know what kind of numbers he would have put up had he not had to play in Kansas right. Park because you could not hit a home run to left field there. So Mays <laughs> became a right center field hitter yeah. and hit a bunch of home runs. But he had a drive to left. No chance. Yeah, great point. Great. He, he would enjoy New Yankee Stadium, right? He would, would uh, yeah, he would enjoy that. I'm not sure he did all that well on the polo grounds, which unless you really pulled the ball. Right, yeah, good point. On a left center field, it was like 450 feet. All right, last thing then is how have these two gentlemen, and maybe Yadier most of all, changed what it means and what is expected of a Cardinal? 
are the Cardinals of 40 years from now going to talk about these two and the bar that they set in the same way today's player talks about Stan Musial? That's a good question. I would hope so, and I would think so. At that point, I don't think anybody else is going to play 19 years as a St. Louis Cardinal and not anywhere else. I, I, that's not going to happen maybe anywhere in baseball anymore. Um, you know, Jeter did it, and Ripken did it, and a few other guys have done it. Barry Larkin did it, Mike Schmidt did it, and not as many years in some cases. But 19 years as a catcher, I mean, at the, the tremendous physical burden that takes, we're not going to see that. I don't think any player will ever play that many years with any team again after, after Molina. Rick, this has been a pleasure talking about these two players as they retire. A lot more in the special section on October 2nd, Sunday, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. You can order it online, stltoday.com, or find it at newsstands. Or if you're a subscriber, thank you for being a subscriber, and you'll find it on your porch, maybe as early as Saturday. But look for that. There's a lot of work that has been put into it by a lot of folks over the entire year here. Uh, Rick and I have spent uh, two decades covering these two players, um, doing it together. And, Rick, I'm really looking forward to we're, we're recording this in the seats, literally in the seats of Bush Stadium, to borrow from my son who says literally a lot. Next year, Rick, how about this? We'll go to a game together. We won't sit in the press box. You and me, we'll get some green seats, and we'll just go watch a baseball game together. I think I, I would look forward to that. I would like that very much, and I have to worry about who's got that quick hits to get done by. <laughs> we don't have to run quotes. We don't have to meet deadline. You and I, we'll just go enjoy a ball game. I'm in. All right. We'll see you there. Thank you. Thank you. All right, and now my conversation with the two columnists. I am here with Benjamin and Ben. Gentlemen, as this weekend arrives, we'll we'll start with you, Benjamin, so people get to know your voice and can recognize it so I don't have to say your name multiple times. But first and foremost, because you grew up here, saw what it meant to be a star for the Cardinals in the 80s, where in the constellation of great Cardinals do Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols fit? That's a great question because Pujols is on the Mount Rushmore of all-time St. Louis Cardinals in regards to greatness of playing baseball. But is Yadier? I don't know. But if you asked a thousand Cardinal fans who's the most popular Cardinal of this generation, they'd say a lot would say Yadi. Right? Yeah, I mean, but popularity and Rushmore is like Rushmore. You're talking about like great players, right? Mm-hmm. So it'd be Musial, Albert, and then a lot of debate as to who's next, right? Ozzie yeah. Smith, as far as on a defensive side, Bob Gibson, maybe Bob Gibson on a pitching side. Where does Rogers Hornsby fit into it, or does he come in a distant seventh? All those kind of things. But popularity, you're almost then comparing Molina to Willie McGee. However, Willie McGee never had a chance to go to Cooperstown. So I guess I guess what I'm looking at is more often than not, the player that's the most popular is also at least one of the better players on the team. Uh, and Yadier clearly is going to the Hall of Fame. Or I, I say clearly is, right? I, I mean, I'll vote for him. You'll probably vote for him. Like I, I think most people think he's going to the Hall of Fame, and he, I think he deserves it. For you, Ben Fredrickson, we'll get your voice so I don't have to... Uh repeat your name. I'll just call you Fredrickson and Hockman from here. But for you, Ben, you were a Rick Hummel intern at a time that was maybe 
peak of this era. I think that's a good way to describe it. Um, certainly of that era. You know, you could argue that right now the Pujols Yadier era is blending with the Goldschmidt. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I said it. They're, they're blending together, you know, with the Arenado Goldschmidt and Pujols Molina. So for you to be around at peak Molina, peak Pujols, what were the Cardinals at that time? What was your view of them? As an intern in 2011, which people will say, well, that, that was a pretty good year to be the intern, um, they were they were fierce. They were so serious all the time. Yachty has remained, <laughs> remained that way. It's been remarkable to see um, Albert transition now, um, having first ever encountered him as an intern when it was – Oh, Albert Pujols is talking, um, and it was an event, and it was he was usually feuding with someone over something that had been written or said, sometimes understandably, sometimes in a bit prickly fashion. Um, and now he's this totally different, um, approachable, gregarious, and not that he couldn't be that way before, but it's been really interesting to see the two sides of his career at his very top and then now at this place where he's self-described passenger on the train, although here he is leading it into the postseason. The Cardinals that they helped construct together um, were nationally feared. Um, they were powers. They were not, They were not. hey, you never count out the Cardinals, which they are now. They were the St. Louis Cardinals with a, with a chance you felt like to win a World Series. Even in 11, you know, and I'll, I'll never forget this, I left the internship. The Cardinals were not playing well. Albert had gotten hurt. Right around the time I had to go back to college, and it was that silly play with the Royals. He got hurt running down the first baseline, and I'll never forget this. It was the most quiet I'd ever heard a clubhouse, one that had just realized that Albert Pujols might be out for the rest of the season. They they were fearful. It was it was no music. Could have heard a, a pin drop, and I left going, well, if Albert's hurt and they're not playing well, it's no chance. And I very vividly remember telling my dad, there's no chance they're done, and he likes to remind me of that often. Only like once a week now. But the point you never write you never wrote out you never write off those Cardinals, and and I think it's been cool this season. Ever since Albert showed up at spring, he has been talking in a way like the Cardinals felt when he was here. As in, mm. we're disappointed if we don't win a championship. It's it's one thing, and I'm not trying to. It's one thing when a rookie manager says it, and I'm not knocking the Ollie. He's been adamant that this has been the, their their goal. It's different when Albert Pujols says it, and I think it means something different to the clubhouse, and I think we've seen that. Yeah, and that's what I was saying when you mentioned the clubhouse. I mean, clearly the Lars Newt bars of the world, the Donovans, are, are part – of what they're thinking is, let's not blow this for Yachty and Albert. Um, I mean, they, clearly they want to win the World Series because they're on the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's this, I guess, responsibility almost not to blow it for these people who have meant so much to the fans and to them personally. When you think of like like that kind of tone that has been set, do you you watch from afar after you left St. Louis for college and then went on to New Orleans, Benjamin? Did you get a sense that? Pujols ratcheted up the expectations uh, from the Cardinals. Like you know, coming out of the the down '90s, Tony La Russa arrives. '98, obviously, McGuire is you know celebrated for hitting all the home runs. But did you feel a palpable shift among your friends, among your family, as far as the when Pujols showed up in those first early years? Yeah, I mean, if I may, I think 
the arrival of Jim Edmonds, I believe the year before, mm-hmm. really kickstarted that. And that was, of course, that era. I remember you were covering the Blues and you covered Hall or uh, MVP, wait, Hall of Famer, of course, but MVP Chris Pronger. And then I believe it's all within like a 16 month period. The the Rams win the Super Bowl. The Cardinals return to the postseason with Jim Edmonds playing great baseball, and and of course the hockey team uh, was doing really well. And then that next year, if I'm doing this right, 2001, this kid shows up who's literally my age the, the coincidence that we were born the same year 1980 and I'm still at Mizzou and he's the rookie of the year in the National League and has MVP votes um, and you're absolutely right Derek like I feel like you, you combine Edmonds and Pujols together it was something like the Cardinals are, are I think you said the word Ben are a feared team now and then you get rolling in the mix or maybe it was already in the mix excuse me I can't remember when he arrived but I mean you, you have that lineup and, and then you, you look at the 04 team I mean, you just, we've got a thing here in the in the Rick Hummel Bob Bregg press box that shows the I think the 25 players from the 2004 team like one's better than the next it's like how do they how do they even lose the 50 whatever games they lost and Pujols was a huge part of that been for you to have been the intern in 11 then come back 15 16 as you know and and be part of the coverage how did your appreciation for Molina's influence on a game change from when you were an intern to then coming back and being kind of around more often and around daily and and and, and to be honest kind of knowing the team better you know, I think the I think the the more you're around Yachty, and this could be whether you're covering him or watching games or playing with him or maybe even managing him for for Ollie or, or Mike Schilt or Mike Matheny or Tony Larusa, you appreciate him more the more you're around him, and that's there's I, mean, I really think there's kind of like two types of people in the world. There's people who impress you more the more you know them, and people who who impress you less the more you know him. And, and Yanni. Oh, man. All right. That'll be a podcast, everybody. All right. Sorry, Ben. I see where you're going with this. I'm talking about Yadi being the kind of person that you can still, even after watching him, I mean, Derek, you've watched him more than anybody here, um, you still can pick up things he does and go, oh, my God. You know, and, and we know the big ones, like the, you know, when a player takes a, a foul ball that hits him wrong and he, creates a little more time in the game to give a guy a chance to breathe or when he slows down the game or or maybe it's as visible as him basically telling Adam you, you don't have it today you need to come out mm-hmm. um, just all of these little nuanced things that he has learned how he sees the game I think the best way to appreciate that is to just basically be around him because he doesn't he's not showy in how he does it he's not he doesn't tell you what he's doing you almost have to see it a couple times before you realize I think that's intentional and then you start to hear the stories and it builds so um that that to me is almost an acquired appreciation because you really you can't really see it in one season or one game or one inning it's a it's seasons plural and then you you talk to the guys who play with them and then they see how it maybe isn't done elsewhere and it's kind of like oh my god and i think this season has been a in some ways built that appreciation for Yachty because he hasn't played a ton and it's been very <laughs> drastic at times the things that he does that are now not being done mm-hmm. and the guys poor poor Andrew Kisner and Yvonne Herrera who are trying to be like okay let me now do all of this stuff and how could they 
um, you know, how how could they? They can just try to do what they can do. But if it's it's taken it was taken for granted even while he was appreciated, which he very much is. I mean, how can you be? The, he's been the face of a team, and he wears literally a cover over his face. I mean, that's something. <laughs> and it still isn't appreciated enough, and it probably won't be appreciated enough until he's gone and not coming back. And then I think like next year when the Cardinals get caught in some like stupid defensive alignment that could have been prevented and it's like how does that happen and there's going to be all these moments where you're like well it happens when you don't have Yachty saying don't do that oh you know what you know what there'll be a game pretty early on next year and this is nothing against the manager's well, the manager, the bench coach, the catcher, it's not, not n- nothing against any of them. Right. But you're gonna you'll see a game likely be on the road where it will be palpable how fast it picks up on the pitcher. And that'll be partially because there's a pitch clock in play now, right? But you're gonna see it like the the pitcher will be agitated and I don't even know who it'll be it could be anybody but there will be a moment where everybody will see this happen and go man Molina would stop this this thing is about to go off the rails and then you'll watch it go off the rails and it's because there's n- there won't be the person in charge on the field who knows how to slow a pulse down they just don't they just won't know how and they just can't innately feel, and that's nothing. Again, nothing against them. It'll just be because there's a pitch clock now, because there'll be runners on. I mean, there'll just be a lot of things going on at once, and you will see that happen. There's no doubt about it. I think that's huge, and then also too, the part that people love, and and and, and they should. It's just his. He has he has made St. Louis his his people. Yeah. And he fiercely defends this place. And if, my God, if there's one place that this place can appreciate, it's fiercely defend, defending it against threats that are real and also threats that are perceived. Um, I mean, Yachty was ready to fight Chris Bryant in a parking lot over right. saying the place was boring. And Chris Bryant still to this day is like, I don't know what I said. Right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, it yeah, didn't yeah. matter because because Yachty had felt like St. Louis. And that, there are some places where maybe that's not as important, but there's that that's clearly a thing that is relevant here is that he said you know i am going to play for puerto rico and i'm going to play for st louis and and he didn't leave and and think he is partly that 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 way he is because albert did he uh yes oh absolutely he saw albert leave and that informed a lot of his decisions and his views and also like what he wanted to try to maximize as far as earning potential and stay in St. Louis. He made that priority. I talked with him at length for the story that I did in the special section that comes out October 2nd, which I'm going to plug again in part because that's the purpose of this podcast. Uh, the In talking with him, he brought that up, like exactly what you're talking about. He said, I've been a lot of places in the in the States. I've been a lot of places you know, in this area of the world. He goes, the place I know best is my home and St. Louis. In the States, I know St. Louis, and that's what that place means to me. And I asked him if, like, he just found, like, harmony here in the sense that it's got a small feel, a community feel, but it's baseball, and it's got deep baseball roots, and it celebrates baseball. And he brought up the fact that it helped him when he got here that there were guys like um, you know, Larry Walker was about to be here, but there was Scott Rowland, and there was Tony La Russa, and there was Jim Edmonds, and there was a sense of a team that was on its way to 100 wins that was like, we are here to win championships. And there's Bob Gibson over there going, you got to join the club. You want, <laughs> you know, if you want to be in the club, you got to get a ring. And there was Lou Brock, and he said that seeing that 
and knowing like the coaches like Ricketts and Kissel and that they contribute, he said to see everything kind of funnel towards this major league team that was consumed by and defined by winning a championship in a town that was going to make kings of champions. He said, that's home. And I thought that was really like a fascinating. And so you're exactly right. He felt like these are my people. This is, this is where I belong. And this is where I have to defend whatever it takes. I think that's really fascinating for, for you you know, a fan from afar and then a, a columnist. I mean, what what are your Yadier Molina moments? Is it is it oh six in the postseason? Is there something the 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 one of the more remarkable things about Yadier that I recall is um, the year after Albert Pujols left. 2012 and 2013, he finished in the top three yeah. in MVP voting. Yeah. You know, like it's like, oh, well, Albert's out, you know, oh, but oh, the Cardinals still got a guy who finishes a finalist. Um, for you, what were they? I mean, I mean, clearly the, um, the catch, catching that curveball. I mean, but the home run, too. I mean, let's not forget um, the, the home run he hit. Uh, just before that was was epic. It was it was out of nowhere. It was unbelievable, and it was special. And people even if he had been traded you know seven if you will I don't just play along here if he'd been traded the next year people would always remember what he did in 06 and his role on the team and they, they would bring him back in in retirement and they'd give him the ovations that he now makes sure his former teammates get um, but yeah I mean and then and then the other part was uh, when I was at the Denver Post we had an editor named David Wright uh, who didn't play for the Mets and he he's from Joplin Missouri and he would always talk about that that stat, and maybe you can help me out, Derek. Cause I'm, I want to make sure I get it right, but like that sometimes uh, uh, Yadi wouldn't even register; he wouldn't qualify for caught stealing percentage because there weren't enough attempts against him. Because if if I'm doing this right, am I am I kind of okay. yeah 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 kind of so. Yeah, this is is something that's in the special section. Sorry, plug. Um, But there are 27 teams that have more stolen bases Mm -hmm. in Yadier Molina's tenure with the Cardinals than teams attempted to steal against him. Um, It wasn't that he – it was that he didn't qualify for throwing a lot of guys out because no one would attempt on him unless they had a clear way to get there so it would be stealing on the pitcher so his so like he might have like a a percentage of thrown out runners that go like oh that's that's just kind of okay and everything like that but so few attempts against him yeah, yeah. that you knew that they were only going on the high percentage chances which means that a team had the number like in the World Series 2011 right Ian Kinsler told us that he had the they had the speed on Jason Mott mm-hmm. And you'll recall that Ian Kinsler also tried to steal on Chris Carpenter, I believe. People will scream if I'm wrong. No, in fact, I'm, I'm sure. But they, they felt that they had the stopwatch on him, and Yachty caught him. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was like, how do you – we had him. We had him cold, and, yeah. and yeah, I still got – so teams wouldn't even try. Yeah. Um, A.J. Hinch with the – it's one of the more remarkable things I've ever seen. A.J. Hinch was manager of the Diamondbacks, and he was it was here at Bush Stadium. We were talking to him before the game, and he goes, we will not attempt to steal all weekend. Wow. Not going to do it. We're just not – hey, broadcast it. I'm not even being – I'm not even being coy. We, we're not going to run on this team. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he changed the way teams would play a game just by his presence and his talent. I mean, you just don't see that in, in, in baseball that often. I mean, it was, it was remarkable. And, and the fact that um, he was also so 
I guess, energizing for his teammates, and he kind of brought out mm-hmm. the intensity of his teammates over the years. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you hear about that a lot. And I remember Colton Wong would, would, would always talk about, he's our captain, he's our guy. And, and even Arenado this year, um, it was it was the week after the trade deadline, and they had just swept the Yankees, and everyone's like, well, is, is the reason you guys are, are hot and feeling good right now because you got these two pitchers and Carlson's playing better and stuff? He's like, no, the reason we're playing better is because Yadier's back. He's back from his, his trip, and he just brings his presence into the clubhouse that just lifts all of us. It's been incredible to watch how this team has been affected by his presence, even at a time where he's, I think he would say oftentimes the season he's struggled, um, you know, and he's, but the way that they, like you said, Benjamin, the way they light up when he's there, and it's it's kind of like this sense of like, he carried them for so long, now they can now they want to carry him, and then of course September comes and he's <laughs> September Yachty and hashtag, he's, and he's and he's still the guy that if you had to like, you know, bet your mortgage on coming up with a way to score a run from second, like I'm sorry anybody else on this team, like I'm sorry Nolan Arenado, like in October <laughs> if the guy's standing on third and you got to get him home, I'm going with Yachty or Molina, <laughs> and I'm not going to think twice about it, uh, just not um, because that's and they know that and and I think he knows that so. Even when the season looked so strange at the late arrival and the, the trip back home, um, it was still like, okay, well, if he does what Yachty does, all of that, it either A, becomes forgotten, and B, almost at some point becomes like part of what makes it a great story because there was all this turbulence and this friction, and then now he's doing this. And I think it's kind of reached that point already where it's like it just it's it's that much more Yadier Molina where his roughest season the one where some questioned his commitment here he is once again you know doing what he does it's it's pretty remarkable and there's there's an element of that and you see it with Pujols where our fear i think everyone's was who appreciated the Albert Pujols story where it was like 11 seasons of of I guess the best way to describe it is a non-failure. Eleven like, seasons of like perfectional. It's but, like but, it's but like the like, if we say the baseball's a sport of eleven for eleven. Baseball's a sport of failure. Albert yeah. never failed here. Right, right. And which in baseball, in most, if you go through life and say, "Well, I didn't fail," it's like, "Well, okay, but shouldn't you strive <laughs> to do something better?" No, no, not failing in baseball makes you one of the greatest players ever. Yeah. And Albert never did it. And now it's like, well, the fear was, well, he's gonna. What if he fails? And it was a fair. It was a especially fair with fear Carpenter. to have. I was say, especially with Matt Carpenter the past couple right. years, who obviously is not on the level of Yachty and Pools, but he's right below in regards to being a fan favorite, and he's going to go to the Cardinals Hall of Fame. And there were many people who probably owned his jersey who were also booing him those final years, or at least you know writing mean tweets about him, or at least saying to their buddies, like, I can't believe Carpenter's batting right now. And... I, I, you probably thought it too. Like when when Pujols arrived, I was like, "Gosh, we, could we get to a point where fans are actually booing Albert Pujols in St. Louis?" If because Carpenter was fresh on our minds. I think my theory is that it would have ended before that. Like he would have just been like, "I'm done, I'm yeah. retiring." Mm-hmm. But it's the exact opposite of that, which is which is what happened. Which is, I mean, there's there's two guys here who are in a different in different field. I mean, they're in a different world and you don't you don't talk you don't give that title legend or whatever I mean we use the word probably too much but these guys fit and it's pretty remarkable to me that the whole storyline of now they're doing it again together like Yachty stepped up when Albert left and now they're back and and Yachty is willing and even you know rushing to say put the spotlight on 
on Albert, not me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Adam Wainwright is is doing the same thing. I'll, he's in that weird nebulous range of like, do we talk about him in this podcast or do we not? Right. I don't know. I think he likes that that he's maintained his anonymity there. But point is that these are all three pretty special players, and and they. It's why you there are certain guys if. They would have gone through what Yadier went through this season. You'd say enough. I mean, not enough. This, this isn't. But then there are also certain guys who get a different lane of the conversation, and, and they've earned that. It's as simple as if just Molina was retiring this year, or if just Pujols was retiring this year, this weekend would be a similarly huge celebratory atmosphere at Bush Stadium. But they're both retiring at the same time. It's going to be bonkers. Both of you had columns in the special section that's available October 2nd in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. If you're a subscriber, it showed up on your porch. If not, it's available through all the newsstands and grocery stores, and you can order it at stltoday.com. Benjamin, yours was on Yadier Molina. Can you offer kind of a a synopsis, sneak peek to a teaser to draw people to that column that's also available at stltoday.com? Today.com. Sure, man. Uh, I mean, for me, I've always been fascinated by this nickname that actually hasn't really taken off in St. Louis, but Yadier loves it. It's El Marciano, which means the Martian. The uh, And it, it's basically as simple as his buddies and brothers used to say he's so good at baseball, it's like he's from another planet. And he has a tattoo of it, and he has a basketball jersey that says El Marciano. It's on his Instagram. But So I just kind of wrote about how he's otherworldly and used some examples and used some quotes from teammates and, and such and, and, and put my own opin- opinions in there too and uh, had fun writing it, I'll tell you that. Did you know much about the, the nickname before? Ask, and, and how did you come? Because it's also his handle. Um, and I think it goes back. I mean, I know it goes back two decades. Yeah. So it was sort of one of the first nicknames. Yeah, exactly. And uh, again, just like I, I, if you asked 100 St. Louis fans, like, what's Yachty's nickname besides Yachty? Not many of them would be able to say it's yeah. El Marciano. So I thought this was kind of like an untapped uh, storyline to write about and fitting since it's I could capture some things that he accomplished since that was the goal of the special section is to kind of put into words just the greatness or in this case the otherworldliness that is. Is, in this case, Yadier Molina or also Albert Pujols. He's also earned a, another nickname down there, which they call him by now when he walks around, which is El Leader oh. for the leader. And that's like now taken off, like not in well in baseball, like like the baseball players will call him that. Um, Baez and Lindor, that's how they refer to him. But also the community after he went down and helped with hurricane relief. That's oh, how the right. as he was passing out gear um gear and goods and water and stuff like that. That's what they referred to him as. Um it you know the 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 emphasis on how it's used as the leader of leaders. That's so right. not just the person leading us, but the leader of our leaders. So Especially yeah. Guy, um Polo Asensio, uh who of course does the Spanish broadcast with Yadier's brother Benji, uh will sometimes call him that 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 leader nickname right. as well. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's it's fun to listen to those guys do the broadcast when Yachty does something well. That's where, that's where, yeah. So that's the background. Fredrickson, you wrote on the other guy, number five. Uh, can you offer like just a sneak peek teaser of, of what you tried to capture? So I kind of tried to look at Albert's final year here 
um, and what it could mean for future years. Um, no, he's not coming back, he says again and again and again. But I, I do think... Sometimes just out loud as he's walking yeah. through the club. I'm not coming back. Hey, guys, I know you're about to chant. Not coming back. I know, you know I just won the game for you again, but I'm not coming back. I, I, I saw him say goodbye to one of the clubbies on the road, and he and, he, and the clubbie was like, yeah, yeah, sure. He goes, no. <laughs> I'm sure we'll see each other, but no, not coming. Thanks for all the year. It was very funny. One of the moments this season, Albert hit a home run and was talking about it, and you're going to have to narrow that down. He hit a lot at 21. He's hit a lot in his career, I've heard. Um, he uh, was asked, you know, the fans are already chanting, you know, they want you back, they want you back. And Yachty walks up behind Albert and goes, one more year, one more year. <laughs> and Albert says, you know, I'm going to come back and, and, and make fun of you guys for still playing. And I said, wait. I said, Yachty, is is that a suggestion that you're going to be playing next year? And he looks at me and said, no chance. <laughs> but my, the, the column is about, obviously, the magic that Albert captured this year in this return, which was, you know, you could not have – Holly, I, I said this about the Blues Stanley Cup run when they went from worst to first, but it's one of those stories. If you took it to, you know, Hollywood, they would be like, "It's a little corny, isn't it?" Like, come on, like, a little hard to believe. It's a little, it's a little hallmarky, isn't yeah. it? Well, it is, Mister Three Thousand. <laughs> it is, and and yet here it is happening right here in front of us in St. Louis. But could this return and the magic that it's created could it lead? Could it pay dividends down the road? Um, and I think about, you know, if you're Jordan Walker and you're watching this this season, do you feel differently now about spending your whole career with the Cardinals? If you're a free agent thinking about going to the Cardinals, do you pick up that phone and call Albert Pujols? I mean, there wasn't that long ago when Stanton forced his way to the Yankees when we were talking about had St. Louis lost its appeal to mm-hmm. players like this. And now you've got Paul Goldschmidt, who was rescued from Arizona, and Nolan Arenado, who was rescued from Colorado. And also Albert not only came back implying that he never should have left. He has not said that. I don't think he will, but right. we all know what we all think we know. And captured his magic here upon his return. I think it I think it elevates St. Louis, um, not to the point where, like, Every great player is going to be like, I'll take half as much money to play here. But St. Louis has its magic back in terms of recruiting the stars. And you mentioned Nolan Arenado, who has a decision to make with his opt-out. You'd have to think that a small part of what will be in his brain is looking at what happened with Pujols when he left and looking at Yadier and Wainwright, who were here their whole career. Obviously, he had his however many years in Colorado. But if he leaves, he's... He still had some good years at Carl's. But if he stays, which is quite possible, goodness gracious, he could build a legacy and maybe even get a number on the wall. I mean, I think it's it's a great storyline for this next season as, as these, you know, lifetime Cardinals, you know, Adam Wainwright, we'll see what happens. Yadier Molina, obviously. Um, Pujols, who came back as they phase out, you know, the 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 guys who are going to have to take on the mantle are, are two guys who are not born and raised and raised up as St. Louis Cardinals. But they're two guys who very much seem to have coveted that that, that vibe and, and wanted it. And I don't think I mean, we'll see if this ages terribly. I don't think Nolan's going anywhere. And I think he and Paul Goldschmidt are looking at the future absences this team had and saying, we have to fill those. And they do. I think Nolan Arenado wants. Like, I'm not sure if he's going to go anywhere. I know that's a conversation that's coming at the end of the season. And it'll be one with his family, obviously. A new kid, new father. Um, lots going on there. He'll explore what opportunities are out there. He's had a tremendous season. Um, you know, does he try to parlay it into something else? But just from talking to him, he relishes being 
a cardinal in a way that he he always kind of pursued it, asked about it, heard what it was like from Holiday. But now to see it five feet away from him, ten feet away from him in the clubhouse with his favorite player going mm-hmm. through this uh, has given him – and they, they won the division. I mean, you can – to see him in that celebration was to see somebody who – like it was like seeing Carlos Beltran in a celebration winning a pennant. It was that level of like a guy who had pursued something who had bounced from – the. Beltran went to multiple teams. Arnado's only done tw- two. But to see a guy who had to leave a team to chase what he wanted and to chase the atmosphere they wanted, it was like the recognition that he found it. Like, you know, we talked about Yadier Molina saying, in St. Louis, I found my my people. That was Arnado going, and in, in St. Louis, I found my people, you know, in a way. you, I would contend and get your thoughts on this before I ask you guys the final question. I actually think Albert had to leave for this to be as special as it has been. I, I think that not only did Albert have to leave, but he had to be a Dodger for this to be as magical as it has been. Because if he had just stayed, I'm not sure he would have enjoyed struggling as a Cardinal. And you mentioned it. He never struggled as a Cardinal. And if he hadn't been a Dodger, I'm not sure he would have been reinvigorated to go like, wait a minute. I know a place that always tries to wait a minute. I know a place that will use me constantly in this right match. Wait a minute. I know some buddies who'd like to have me around. Like, I think he had to be a Dodger to be a Cardinal. I mean, the big question when we all wondered if the Cardinals would make a play to pick him up and they couldn't because they have Paul Goldschmidt and there wasn't the DH at the time. But the bigger question was would he accept the role? And there was like it was like a fair question to ask. I mean, he had been let go from the Angels because he wasn't happy changing roles despite yeah. performance. That was part of the equation. It's easier to, of course, take on a different role with a fresh start. But with what he said out there to you guys in L.A. about this place made him fall in love with baseball again, and it was like, I mean, that that's a key part of the moment, and it's very poetic, you know, hallmarky. In, as well that he hits 700 there if it didn't happen here which everyone would have loved for it to there's no, there was no better place for it to happen well if we're talking about trips to la where albert revealed something how about the all-star game and, and you were there derek right uh at the all-star game uh with rick and um that was kind of a key part of the season. He wins the first round of the home run derby against Schwarber, who's a great home run hitter. He's 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 embraced, and the guys are fanning him because he's so hot. and And it was just like a special visual. And then you could tell he was just kind of what, what would be the word? I don't, I don't know if rejuvenated is the word. I mean, his numbers weren't that great heading into the All Star game. His numbers since the All Star game are like I don't know Albert Pujols' numbers from from you know '04. And uh, I, so I feel, and, and it's been documented in your articles that, that yeah, I think that trip to LA for the All Star game was an important part of this journey. It's cool that you said that you felt like Albert had to leave for this to feel like this. In the same way, Yachty had to stay. Like it's. We talked about appreciation of Yachty growing the more you watch him do what he does. And it's like that's why St. Louis gets it because they've watched him 162 games a year for two decades. And it's, I mean, it's it's really kind of a, a fitting bow to put on this thing. And you mentioned Yachty. 
his relationship with Wainwright is such a beautiful thing. I mean, if, if Riotti was the third baseman and Wainwright was the left fielder and they'd been on the team for however many years, it'd still be cool that they'd play all those games. But there's something about a pitcher and a catcher. There's something about a relationship. And the fact that they now have 325-plus uh, starts together as a battery, a record that, how, I mean, how could it be broken? I mean, I mean it just would be mind-boggling if, a, if another duo was to break it. It's special. And, and I'll never forget this fan I interviewed before the for that game. He was talking about how how their the strength of their relationship strengthens his fandom for them. He sees them just loving the heck out of each other, and that just makes him love them even more. Last question then is this: that trio, uh, Wainwright, Molina, and Pujols. But we're talking about the two guys who have announced that they're retirement. But that that trio has been a big part of this era. Uh, John Mozeliak told me that the what revived the Cardinals as a brand was McGuire with his home run pursuit. That brought a lot of attention, filled the coffers, sold tickets, and put them in the spot to spend more as far as attendance goes and everything like that on a team that then could contend. He said, but what brought the magic and what brought the expectations of always contending was pools and that he was essential to that culture that has followed for the next 20 years. What forced the team to maintain that excellence and that competitiveness was Molina. So in like in the in the thinking is that look McGuire was the show, Pujols was the substance and Yair was the quality control that this is what it means to be a cardinal. Which brings me to this question. 40 years from now are the players who are Cardinals and they want to invoke the Cardinal way and start talking about the history that preceded them and what it means to be a part of this. Are they speaking about Molina and Pujols in the same way that today's Cardinals are talking about Stan and Bob and Lou? Well, I would have to say so. And the point I want to bring up is their influence on Latin players. And, I mean, these guys, I mean, they're leaders, they're, they're icons. Um, so, yeah, the fact that these two guys, Pujols and Yadier, did so much for this community and for this team and for, like you said, the Cardinal way. Oh, and by the way, they're from the country or one of the two countries, one of the two areas that what percentage of Major League Baseball players are from now. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty awesome. I guess in short, yes, they will be. And Adam will be included in that, whether he yes. retires after this season or next. Um, and they've been pouring into that over the course of their their careers. Um, certainly, Yadi will be refer- Yadi can reference Pujols. And now, what's cool about Albert being back is like Brendan Donovan can reference Pujols, and Juan Yepes can reference Pujols. And they've gotten this this reintroduction to this guy's their teammates knew and we're telling them about. Adam Wainwright has talked about you know trying to explain to his younger teammates the kind of season Paul Goldschmidt has had this season saying you know it's it's like Albert but Albert did it for a decade mm-hmm. and and that's not a knock on Paul Goldschmidt but it's it trying to tell them like you got to really understand what this means and then now they see it so absolutely and the Cardinals lineup of all-time greats of icons I mean this is it's a sad it's bittersweet whatever you want to call it it has been thinned by the passing of time, by the loss of some of these players. And what makes this a special place is that there will be new ones. And you don't join that group just by playing. You join it by by 
winning at a you know a championship level you do it you do it by longevity by also you know pouring into your teammates and helping the Cardinals build this thing I mean yeah Albert Pujols did provide the substance but it's bigger than Albert because he didn't do it with the Angels I mean it's a it's a it's a mix Mm -hmm. and I think Albert I think Yachty I think Wainwright will absolutely be pillars that these guys talk about I mean there there are going to be a lot more guys on this team in the coming years who who can reference you know lessons learned from those guys that they can't reference some of the all-time greats but you know what the, you can trace those things degrees of separation well that's something that albert learned in a conversation from you know from stan i mean that's the, the bridge i mean this, yeah. there's now that connection and and i know albert's got the the deal with whatever he's got to work out with the angels but he's going to be around this team as much as he wants to be and that's if he would have gotten no home runs this year that alone was worth getting him back in the fold because we see clearly what he has to offer yeah, it's not going to be a surprise at all when, you know, spring training 2023, we're talking about like a young guy making a blast and trying to force his way out of nowhere from a lower minors onto the major league team. And we'll all be like, man, it's just like, you know, the one guy who did it 22 years ago retires and here comes the next guy, a right-handed hitter who's trying to make his way as the starting left fielder for opening day. It's like it writes itself, right? When Jordan Walker's on the opening day line up at left field are they are they opening at Coors Field and, and when he when he signs his extension says, <laughs> yeah, I, right. saw, I see what happens when you leave this place no thanks <laughs> yeah, well, right. I, I think the question is Derek will they give Jordan Walker number 68 oh you mean coming into spring training yeah, yeah as an NRI he gets number 68 didn't they give it to Dylan Carlson because it was Pujols's number and it was it so was, there yeah there's incomplete record keeping on that as to how much it's Here's behind the curtain. How much it's us? Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, like confirmation bias, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Like, it was, it's planned if it works, right? That's, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because we've other, seen other sixty-eight, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yes. I, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah. then also the numbers are also kind of getting pushed back further, further. So you're starting to see like the eighties mm-hmm. be part of the prospects, and you know, then the sixty-seven every so often was, but then was taken, and mm-hmm. now you have the nineties, which is like the minor league guy, which was a reference to the late Oscar Tavares when he came over and wore a name or a jersey without a name on the back, and Fox was covering the game, and they put minor league guy, and it's like, well, that's just the top hitting prospect. In all the minor, I mean, what are we? What's going on? So, yeah, we'll, we'll watch. We'll watch to see if it if it happens. You know what? We're gonna write the heck out of it, and people can refer back to this podcast and say, "You guys are creating it." And you know what? Guilty. Fine. Fine. Guilty. Yeah. You think Goldschmidt and Arnado will retire the same season? Oh, that's, that's oh, a good boy. point. Yeah, I wonder if they'll think if this will definitely come. No, I don't think. Th- I don't think they will. Because I think Arnauto is going to play beyond Goldschmidt. I think I think Arnauto will play a year or so. Goldschmidt has. I have talked to him. I said, "What? You know, does this put in perspective how long you've got to play?" <laughs> and he goes, "I'm not doing that." Goldschmidt man. will be like the guy who sends a fax after he's decided. Like, oh, by the way, I'm I've, I've, I, I'm not. I am retiring. I have retired. I like the fact that you said fax and not a text. No, like he's no. going to send a fax. Yeah. Certified mail, right? <laughs> Just doing his job. We'll be one spring. We'll be like, hey, where's where's Goldie? Where, where's Paul Goldschmidt at? They'll just be they'll just be a fax at his locker. 
No. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for taking the time here to talk about this. You can find their work always in the pages of the Post-Dispatch, but particularly Sunday, October 2nd, with the commemorative edition for the retirement of Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols. I believe the theme was Thanks for the Memories. Hockman wrote about Yadier Molina's nickname that you may not know, and Fredrickson wrote about the the lesson of Albert returning to a place he once left and what it means to be a lifelong Cardinal. Um, I had profiles of both guys that are long, so enjoy those. You can just swim in them. How about that quote you got in your story, Derek, from Benji Molina, help me get it right, where he said, in the third inning, Yadier's head's in the sixth inning. Yeah, he goes, you're in the, you're playing the third, and he, or you're in the third inning, and he's already th- playing in the sixth. What a great line. It's like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's like the quote, you know, they're playing checkers, he's playing chess in, in a baseball realm. I, I did also get that quote. <laughs> I just didn't use it. Yeah, use yeah. it. Uh, um, John Mozeliak said he's playing 40 chess. Um, oh, 4D. 4D. 3D. 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 3D chess. 3D. He's playing 3D chess. Um, but uh, but I like the way Benji kind of put yeah. it as well. And then, and then also Christian Yelich saying that he could read my mind and all that. Yeah. So try to get in Because there. next year, opponents will start running on the Cardinals like the Cardinals run on Christian Yelich. Oh. Because Yachty is not going to be there to gun him down. They're like, we saved all these stolen bases. <laughs> They're going to go after whoever that poor catcher is. Oh, man. Well, we'll talk about it on the podcast. Best podcast in baseball is brought to you by College by Design of St. Louis. I know we've been off here for a little bit. There was one podcast that was recorded that will still see the light of day. I just messed up and then the crush happened with 700 home runs and a clinching and a long road trip and then this special section have i mentioned the special section that took a lot of time and had to uh had to draw me away from the podcast so it's nice that the special section brings me back to the podcast thank you guys very much thanks to rick hummel who was the guest for the first half of this podcast we'll be back soon because like i said i already have one of these podcasts in my back pocket i just need to finish it um and then uh on to the postseason where you guys will help me uh preview the postseason right once they know who their opponent is let's do it man best time of the year enjoy it all right thanks guys talk to you all soon